What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Thomas, founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not a subscriber to the series, this is the moment where you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. You can do so on Spotify, on YouTube, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts like uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, where I hope if you're over there, you can also uh, leave a review, tell us where you're listening from, give the uh, series a rating if you're a regular, or even if you're not. I'm Kyle Meredith. My guest today is the legendary Peter Frampton. He is back with a brand new record called All Blues. 
This is him going back to his uh, his earliest days, paying tribute to some of the greatest blues songs of all time. And we're going to be talking about some of those as well, like The Thrill is Gone, which uh, Sonny Landreth helps him out on, Georgia on My Mind. There's even a Miles Davis song on here from the uh, Kind of Blue record. He tells me that's not cheating, though. We'll hear about uh, how he first fell in love with the blues, how he was introduced to them, and what it's meant to his songwriting through the years. We'll also talk about the upcoming tour, which right now is being billed as a farewell tour. This is due to a muscle issue. Uh, That's called IBM. Peter's going to tell us a little bit more about that. And then we'll do some anniversary fun. The first two Humble Pie records turning 50 years old this year as safe as yesterday in town and country. We'll also get his thoughts on 79's Where Should I Be, 1989's When All the Pieces Fit, which is a record that came around the time he was doing the Glass Spiders tour with David Bowie. There's also new albums in the work. Four of them, he tells us. I am so honored for this one. Kyle Meredith with Peter Frampton. Kyle, it's Peter Frampton. Let me congratulate you on this record, uh, All Blues, uh, and hearing you kind of uh, go through, you know, the treasure trove, the history of the of the uh, of the genre. I guess it's been really fun to listen to. So, congrats on this one. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm very pleased that initially I, I never really thought about or do think about you know, what you're going to sell or anything. It's always been about the quality of the music and, you know, me being pleased that it's a move forward for me, uh, something that I haven't done before, Um, whether it be new material that takes me somewhere else or this going way back uh, and to things that I heard when I was, you know, before Humble Pie, you know, (laughs) when I was 15, 16 and hearing Muddy Waters and and Howlin' Wolf and all these wonderful uh, uh, Freddie King and everything. Is there one song on here that does that you can remember that goes back the furthest for you? Maybe one that's even more personal than the rest? I think it's either of the ones that the the Stones did. Uh, I just want to make love to you, mm-hmm. which is the opening cut. Uh, and the other one, I think, is the one, the original by Slim Harpo, uh, also done by the Stones, called I'm a King Bee. So I didn't know that Slim Harpo had done it when I first heard it or that he was the originator of it. So, you know, when you go and look these up, then you find where everything's come from. And that's what we did. We went all the way back and um, found where even we knew newer versions of the songs. We wanted to hear the version very first version of the song so we would be able to do our own authentic cover of it you know it's been written about plenty but uh, you know the history tells us of britain's early love for the blues almost showing us americans at that time um you know what was in our own backyard what was it for you specifically that attracted you to the blues back then well it was the fact that we had this circuit of uh, blues and rhythm and blues, a little bit of rock, but it was more in, back in those in the mid-60s. It was more more R&B. But we would have all these blues players. Sonny Boy Williamson came over and lots of the others came over. I managed to see Sonny Boy a couple of times, actually. So I, I think that the blues artists weren't getting a lot of work in America. <laughs> and they came to Europe and they liked the jazz artists still do uh, and go to Japan and stuff where I think they're uh, a little bit more appreciated and uh, so I think that's what happened and then all of a sudden you know there was uh, the Flamingo Club in London was where I saw John Mayall 
uh, with Eric Clapton, and also down at a you know a local uh, a place where where I would go to meet the Bromwell Club near where I lived in South London. So now I'm uh, getting very interested in the blues, especially, and then you know Green, Peter Green, all these people start having this beautifully seductive style. You know, I mean Peter Green different from Eric, but in the same genre, obviously, discovering the blues for us for me anyway and um so that's that's how it started for me was was hearing those guys around the time when i first heard the stones it must have been about 64 65 you know you mentioned jazz artists in there and of course there is a miles davis song on here which is that sort of breaking the rules a little bit um, no, because it's from an album called Kind of Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's blues. It's a blues. Uh, so, no, I, if there was one record that, if I had Desert Island Disc, and there was only one disc I could take, it would be Kind of Blue. Oh, yeah. that would, there's no guitar on it either. So uh, it's just that good an album and the melodies and the, I don't know. It's one of those, it's, well, it's the biggest selling jazz album of all time, I believe. Right. So, but uh, I'm, I would love to take some with guitars too, but <laughs> that album. So I just decided to, if we could do the guitars as the as the backing saxon and little harmony part in there. And we, we tried it and it worked. You know, it was our first take too on that, that track. We'd never played it before and we took it on the first take. Wow. Yeah, it was, it, my band is just, uh, have risen to the occasion uh, over and over again. So kudos to them. Uh, similarly, I'll bring up uh, George on my mind because speaking of just guitars, you decided not even to throw a vocal track on there. I mean, the the guitar is the vocal line on this one. Yes. I I mean, I I think if I had my druthers, I'd still like to have a lead singer and just be the guitar player, you know, <laughs> if I, but so um, I can speak much better in some ways um, when I play it rather than sing it. And um, uh, I've said before that, you know, it's intimidating to even attempt that number, uh, but I would never because of people like Ray Charles and for me in England, Steve Winwood was one of the very first people after Ray that I heard sing Georgia and blew my mind, you know. So I would never attempt it, but but I'll play it. Kind of <laughs> like my um, Black Hole Sun on, on Fingerprints, uh-huh. that I would never sing a Chris Cornell song, but I'll play it <laughs> um, and I'll enjoy it, you know. Sonny Landreth, we're big fans. You, you tapped him for The Thrill Is Gone. Any good story there? How did Sonny end up on the record? Well, we had the Peter Frampton Guitar Circus for a couple of years, and we had, I just said to my manager, I need as many guitars on the stage at all times. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so Sonny um, and Larry Carlton actually were both on the show uh, the same night, and B.B. King was opening for us. I, I know it sounds weird, but that's <laughs> that, yeah, what it, was happening. That took a second for that, me to register that, the weight of that. I, I, I know. It, it To me, too. But it was his penultimate tour, so he was not not doing terrifically well, but he was still playing great and everything. And um, both Larry and Sonny have known B.B. much longer than I have. I only just got to know him on that tour and um, had played with him. I think Sonny had played with him since he was, you know, in short trousers. So <laughs> so anyway, um, there we were all all together uh, at the end of the show um, or after.
after baby came off that's right and we all had great pictures taken together and so when rob arthur suggested well why don't you do thrillers con i was you're kidding me we can't do that that's baby's song and he said well why don't we get sunny to play on it you know <laughs> and then you could share the blame <laughs> <laughs> so yes it it's a very brave uh, thing to do but ha- having sunny there with me playing just um heavenly uh, I have to say it just his style is uh, so unique and so interesting to listen to, yeah. you know, it's, and to watch him do it. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, he overdubbed his solo. He wasn't available at the track, obviously, for the tracking. So I'm just sitting in the control room with him laughing <laughs> <laughs> at how great it sounds, you know, and what he's doing. It's just what a lovely man, too. Yeah, it's a great version. I mean, uh, high, high compliments there because to tackle something, again, that's it's a legendary song in itself you know it may be the the best known blues song of all time possibly anyway but uh, by the king on top of that so it's it's a great I know. so i just felt that you know we had become great friends very quickly i mean we knew him for two years because we did do another uh, couple of gigs with him the following year but that was his, the last of his tour touring um before we lost him and um it just seemed like it was an apropos because i did feel it was a good version we had achieved something there that was uh, i wasn't embarrassed about it at all uh, i think it's it is a good version and i, I just wanted it to be a, a tribute to be yeah. you know and that's what it is uh the, the unfortunate seg here is the, the penultimate tour line that you just mentioned with bb because that's that's what you're basically on here. This is the farewell tour that's also lined up with this. Uh, c- could you talk about why that is? I have uh, uh, got what is called IBM. It's inclusion body myositis, which myositis means when muscles disappear, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, this particular uh, muscle thing moves very slowly, but it will eventually, it affects the quads and the lower muscles in the legs, but it also affects um, the arm muscles and the hands. So that's my quandary, is that that's not great for a guitar player. I've known that I've had something wrong for about eight or nine years, but I was diagnosed, because it's very difficult to diagnose, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've been dealing with it, and I have a phenomenal team at Johns Hopkins that I work with. And now my job is to educate those people that have what I have as to how to how to prolong things. And basically, I've done, I, I exercise. There's no drug for it right now. There's a trial I'm going to do after the tour. But right now, it's just exercise. And so I do it five five days a week, you know, and it's pro, it's been phenomenal. And they, they've been very surprised surprised at the slowing of the progress, the doctors. So I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm at the top of my game playing. But, you know, this time next year, I can't I can't say. You know, right, because right. I don't know. Well, the, you know, the, the good news was what you said there at the end, that uh, they're really impressed and, and, and that you're still, you know, that, that, that the exercise is helping out. So, I, you know, I, I do love hearing that part. Yes, yes, me too, me too. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 so for the people out there 
someone someone's oh yeah right you know i'm sure someone's well he's got enough money now he just wants to stop well that's not the case at all it's never been about money it's always been about my most enjoyable part of what i do is walking out on that stage and playing with my band mm -hmm. you know and being in front of a live audience it's uh, n uh not surprising that my biggest was uh, was a live record so that's the payoff for me it always has been so i am so looking forward to this tour and um, hopefully there'll be more, but right now we're calling this the last one because we just don't know. We can't say. When you put a stamp on uh, something like that, it, it does give a moment of reflection, if not even for you, then for all of us, you know, uh, who, are, who are putting together the interviews anyway. But I, I thought <laughs> you've seen rock and roll since the beginning. You've been one of the archetypes since what, chapter two of rock and roll. <laughs> you know, well, y yes, I was kind of like the, the younger brother of the first wave because I've always thought of uh, Bill Wyman being like a brother, to me, an older brother to me, because mm -hmm. he was the one that I first met that well, I was the first popular, you know, successful musician I'd ever, ever met, you know, and he was producing this band I was in. So I would say, you know, about three, four, five years behind the first wave. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, you know, to, to have seen the history of, you know, everything that came from what you all did in those early days, you know, and, and, and it's still here. Most genres that came before rock, you know, really didn't last in the same way. <laughs> In the pot, and I don't. Do you ever take that moment to think of like what? What do you make of all of this? All the different versions that it's ended up in. Yeah, I know. It, it's so strange because we were just at that time just soaking up American music as much as we could all the time, and then of course. We had our homegrowns as well. You know, for me, The Shadows and Cliff Richard, um, instrumentals, you know, big hits and stuff. And then, of course, we had, then the Beatles came along and we all had to start singing. <laughs> but, I mean, being, being around at, at that time and, and seeing how it all started by us copying American music. And that's all we were doing. And then, all of a sudden, the Beatles said, well, we can write kind of like, let's write with, with all this information that we've gained from all this music we've listened to. Then everybody started writing their, bands started writing their own stuff over in England. So, and um, that's how it developed. Well, thank goodness you all did that because you made what we were doing so much better. So much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, in fact, we were talking about, uh, thank you, that we were talking about BB, but I mean, I read somewhere that he had said, you know, years ago this is, when his career was resurrected, and how it was resurrected was, he said, if it weren't for people like uh, Eric Clapton and Peter Green, you know, coming over here and replaying our, our blues music to the Americans, the in, uh, there was no interest, and it completely saved the blues artist's career over here. And thank goodness. I, I, I want to tie a little bit of that past to the present here, too, because looking at the tour, you know, so aside from your son, he's going to be doing some dates uh, with Julian Frampton. Um, I see you've got uh, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin evening also opening some of the show. And, um, yes. you know, with that tie back, so there's two Humble Pie records that celebrate in their 50th this year with uh, the debut As Safe As Yesterday in town and country. But it was funny. I was looking back and as safe as yesterday, it has that tag where someone that's, that's where the original term for heavy metal came from, which, you know, Zeppelin themselves also got tagged with that. Uh, 
I thought, yes. funny how those two things work together right now. <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. Uh, yes, that was the first time I'd ever read heavy metal, I think, um, when it was it was a, a, word that, a phrase that was used about Humble Pie's first record and then Zeppelin. So, so yeah, it was very interesting. I, I uh, don't know how they got that from, from that, but... Um, very good. Yeah, well, it's, speaking of genres coming a long way, things have changed. The uh, the heavy metal genre has changed a bit since uh, As Safe as Yesterday, anyway. it's uh, Yes, it has. <laughs> yeah, completely different. Um, but I'm... I'm I listen to it all. I listen to every kind of music. So uh, heavy metal, I, there's always another guitar player that, oh, gosh, who's that? I've got to listen to him. You know, <laughs> it's so great uh, that the younger musicians today, uh, people say, well, guitar is dead, you know, electric guitars. No, it's not. No, not at all. Um, and it never will die, you know. It might not be in your top five uh, on the charts, but there's a lot of people uh, listening to a lot of guitar, great guitar players, and there's so many great players coming up, and uh, that, that's what we look forward to is hearing them. Well, I, I'll, I'll bring up Town & Country, too, since we didn't uh, kind of get to that one, but it was a different sound and nearly a forgotten record, as, as history kind of paints it when it first came out. Yes, it wasn't. Obviously, didn't get the look that uh, As Safe As Yesterday did, but it was... It was a transitional record for Humble Pie. I think we were still trying to find our way at that point. Uh, Safest Yesterdays was a combination of songs I had uh, before Humble Pie and Steve had when he was still in the Small Faces. So then when we were getting... I think we were just finding... We were saying for Town & Country, this is a completely democratic band. Whatever we bring in, if we all like it, we record it. You know, so it didn't matter if if Jerry brought a song, Steve, me, or Greg. And that's the way it worked. And I wrote on The Safest Yesterdays, wrote with Steve, and on Town & Country, wrote with Greg. But I still love that record. There's some great tracks on that. And our version of, of Heartbeat, I think, is worth a listen. I'm always amazed when I look back at how quick records would come out because those two records were basically released just within a few months of each other, which, you know, would not be done today by most artists, at least. No. Well, the the old contracts were that it was usually a three or four uh, year deal and you had to have two albums a year. That was it. One every six months, you know, and we always fell behind, but we managed to get two out within like 14 months. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, but it was that's the way it was back then. And uh, so it was really was album tour, album tour, album tour. Right. So you jump up 10 years, uh, the 79, the 40th anniversary, I think just happened of the uh, Where Should I Be record, which you ended up with a, a little hit on this one with I Can't Stand It No More, but it sounds like it came after an odd time, like there was a car crash right before that one, right? Yes, uh, that was the that was the sort of uh, slowing down point for me yeah. and realization of what, was, what had just happened from uh, 1975 to 1978, basically, those three years. And um, it was not one of my favorite albums, I have to say mm-hmm. that. I wish that uh, the material was better. and I didn't have as much material as I would have liked. Um, and we did covers on that record as well. Uh, Sam and Dave, we, we did some Sam and Dave on that one and actually had Steve Cropper and Duck Dunn come and play. So um, so that was very enjoyable, but nah, not, not one of my favorites. 
How do you feel about when all the pieces fit? That's a 1989's 30 years right after oh, the Glass Spiders yes. tour. Much prefer that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you keep going, you'll find one I like. <laughs> yes, that one I made. A lot of that I made in my house in in um, in the Hollywood Hills. Basically, we were living out there, and then I met up with Chris Lord Algae, the phenomenal engineer, and uh, I played him a couple of tracks. He said, "Bring those to the studio. Let's make them sound. You know, let's put some drums and stuff on those." And he helped me put that one together, and. It was a great experience working with him on that. And um, also, I'd been working quite a bit on those songs. I, I feel that one is, is pretty much all good on that one. I'm, I'm okay on that one. It is written that you just, that did come right after that Glass Spiders tour. How big of an effect did that part of your career have on this record? I'm not sure, but I think that it came out. Did it not come out before? Or no. was, was it 89? It was 80. Well, I've got it listed as 89 everywhere I've looked anyway, you're right, so. You're right, you're right, you're right. Because I put it on, that's right, I put it on hold uh, because David asked me to go on tour with him. So that's it was actually right. done before it, though. It was started. It was not finished. That's mm-hmm. right. And was definitely um, affected. I think my confidence level was back up um, after um, touring with David and playing on his record um, because he took me around the world and reintroduced me as the guitar player instead of the image, you know. And that was a gift that I would, I still thank him for that. And it was wonderful. I mean, we, we started at school together and um, we, we had so, sort of went off on parallel but different careers. So he was always, Dave was always there for me uh, to call for, what do you think about this, you know. So that was, that was the beauty of, of having a friendship with David. Well, well, we'll pull that train back into the present anyway. With uh, Again, uh, I can't give you enough congratulations on All Blues, but I'm excited because I read that you, you're sort of like working on new music pretty consistently right now, too. Like, like this isn't the only album that's on the way. No, no. There's, we're just about to finish a, a fourth one. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, since October. Since October, we have done... Um, uh, the quickest way to record, obviously, was with uh, cover material. So there's two albums of vocal covers, and one of those being all blues. And then there's there's other stuff. Right. <laughs> I can't go. Otherwise, we'll get. But uh, there is a solo album, a new solo. That's what we're working on now, which is album number four. So uh, <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah, I've never recorded this much in my life. So <laughs> I just want to get as much down as possible uh, while the fingies is, is working. Well, in a, in a kind of interesting way, it takes you back to those early days when we were just talking about where you would have, you know, two albums a year or something like that. That's right. Not four albums a year, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a blast because we've just been, uh, since October, We've been in and out of the studio with the band, you know, and then they'd leave. I'd do a little bit of overdubbing. But we've been working sort of solidly ever since uh, we came off tour last year. So we just had to stop recording so we could start rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's so exciting to hear that. I, I can't wait to hear all the rest of it. I, I thank you for uh, the all-blues record that we got right now. And 
Peter, it's been a, a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Oh, Kyle, thanks so much. And it's, it's great to, to be on your podcast. Well, we'll see you uh, out, out, out on the road. I'll be catching a date on this tour. Very yeah. good. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. My thanks to Peter Frampton. The uh, new record is called All Blues. Can't wait to hear what's in store from here, too. Now, I thought I'd throw it back to a, a 2017 interview. The, the last time I talked with Peter Frampton, he had just released a one-off song called I Saved a Bird Today, which told the true story of when a bird slammed into one of his windows and uh, what he first thought was dead. He was able to quickly nurse it back to health and even flight. And the whole ordeal left a big impression on the legendary songwriter and guitarist, eventually finding itself into this one-off song which he had uh, released ahead of a, a tour that he was about to do with the Steve Miller Band. So we talked about the incidents and its metaphorical implications. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Peter Frampton. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Well, we're here to talk about the uh, the new music and this lovely new song you have called I Saved a Bird Today. We'll jump right into it, too, because with a song like this, you know, it's such a specific little moment as a bird crashes through the win- into the window and you have to try to, I don't know, save its life. But... But we're really talking right. about a metaphor here, right? I think so. Um, it's basically, you know, um, who's saving who here? You know, we all need saving. And I, I think it's uh, it's a juxtaposition of the craziness right now, I think, um, uh, of just the uncertainty of what's what's happening right now in the world, not just this country. And I think I would hate to think that caring, love, uh, looking after other people. I mean, there's a line in there, you know, is to to care for other people is the reason that we are here, mm-hmm. you know, and it really is. That's what we're here for, is to look after each other. And I think there's a severe lack of that right now. We've got this sort of split thing. I, I mean, again, not just in this country, worldwide, of uh, changing direction. And um, it just, to me, means, you know, um, when when it comes down to it, the most important thing is if you see someone who needs help, an animal who needs help, or a situation that needs help, I, I think we've got to you know we've got to put the hate in the back seat and and let's get down to sorting out how we can live together again because I think it's just got to an insane level right now. With a song like this, and you come from an era where you know it seemed like every artist kind of took you know, the charge to write socially reflective songs, which, I don't know, seem to disappear for a long time. But have you been noticing it coming back more and more? Well, I think you will notice it coming back more and more um, at the moment because uh, of of this uncertainty. Um, we're in uncharted waters right now, and uh, I, I have great hope for new generations to see the light, and I, and I think they will. And I think they're rebelling already um, worldwide about this. And um, uh, it's just something that we're going through right now. And it's definitely a huge change. So I'm just hoping for the best. I like your optimism. I really like it. Yeah, right. (laughs) With this song, though, you know, it's as we're talking about kind of making it that big thing. When you were writing it, I don't know, because you've got to make such a specific moment universal, right? I mean, that's what every songwriter tries to accomplish. I I think so. And Gordon Kennedy and I wrote wrote this song together, and he's a wonderful storyteller. The story happened to me, but we both put it down in, in hopefully in the best way we could. Did the bird, did I save the bird or did the bird save me? Right. Because I, I, you know, there's that way of looking at it too. And there's a line in there also of, uh, of like, you know, me 
being put in a position to save save an animal's life. Um, it, it's sort of the feeling when I took this bird down to the river, finally, after uh, fighting to get it into a cardboard box, because it was a huge bird. And it, it only, the, the, the American coot only takes off from water, which I found out from this lady on the phone who I had Googled. Um, she said, oh, yeah, that, that bird only, ta- that species only takes off from water. So I had to put it in a box, drive it down to the river, and then show him the water or her the water. And the thing knocked me over. It couldn't get in that water quick enough and then, and then took off. And that feeling, uh, I didn't even, I was so in the moment, I didn't uh, get my camera, my phone out or anything to take a a film of it or anything, but I have to say that that was one of the best moments of my life, seeing this thing that was virtually dead four hours earlier on my balcony is now flying away, you know, walking on water to take off. It's It's got all sorts of connotations, it you really know. Does. <laughs> is, is, is this a seed for the new album? I mean, I know it's now been, I don't know, what, two or three years, so that's, that's sort yeah, of a cycle, I, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think this is just something I... I we wrote this. I called Gordon. I told him what happened. Then within the next uh, couple of days, I came up with the music, and then we got together and we started to put the song to uh, the story to the song. And um, so that was just a specific moment, and I felt so strongly about the song. You know, not that I'm not looking for a hit record. I'm just looking to put something new out there that has meaning to me, and it's very powerful for me and Gordon. And I hope other people see that. Um, uh, as far as the next record, I've got so much stuff ready to, ready to record. So I think probably what I'll do in the fall after Steve's, uh, Steve Miller and I go out and we finish that tour, the, the band tour, um, that's when I'm going to go in my studio and, and start putting all these pieces together. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, I don't know whether it's going to be instrumental, vocal, blues, jazz. I don't know what it's going to be yet. But uh, I've got lots of different types of music that I want to record. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time today. And uh, again, I love the new song. I'll be looking forward to the tour, too. I'm going to try to grab a stop on it. So. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, take care, Peter. All right, bye for now. Bye. And again, that one there from a 2017 interview with Peter Frampton talking about that song, I Saved a Bird Today. And again, Frampton's brand new album, it's called All Blues, and it's out now. Hey, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed so far, now is a great time to do so. Again, you can subscribe at Spotify and YouTube or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, where, again, I hope you give the series a rating and leave a review. After that, WFPK.org. That's where you'll find me every weekday, Monday through Friday. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also say hi at uh, Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.